Good morning. We are going to get going here, and you guys are already pretty quiet, so I don't have to shush you, so let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for your people and your people um, here to see what your word has to say about suffering. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus, who is the ultimate sufferer, who has compassion on us sufferers. Um, He pities us, and he reaches down to us. And so, God, I pray that, that that vertical affection from you to us would turn into horizontal affection to each other in community so that we could suffer together well, um, know how to be helped when we are suffering, and know how to be helpful when others are suffering. And we ask that you would work this among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we are going to get right going here. I want to have some appropriate discussion time today. Um, I don't have the physical book on me, but most of you have seen it by now, um, Caring for One Another by Ed Welch. So, so far we've worked our ways through chapters one to four, and today we're kind of doing five and six together. So chapter five is called Be Personal and Pray, and then lesson six is um, Talk About Suffering. Um, chapter five really felt like a lot of recap, so I took some elements from it and put it in into this lesson, but... Mostly we're touching on section six, talk about suffering. Um, I'm detaching a little bit from his chapter today. It, there was some really helpful stuff in it, and I worked with that. But it almost seems more like a helpful chapter for someone who's suffering to just read. It doesn't say too, too much about how to be helpful in community when suffering, which is the point of this Sunday school, in my estimation anyway. So if you want to just be helped in suffering, I highly encourage you still read that whole chapter. There's some things he says in there that we're not going to cover today, but we're going to get right into it. So the topic of suffering is pretty universal. Like everybody here suffers. Suffering is, is everywhere. You can't escape suffering. And so most of us have a rough idea of how to deal with suffering. Like I wouldn't say anybody here is terrible at dealing with suffering. I, I don't think most people are just because it's such a universal experience. Um, but we don't want to just be not terrible at things. Like we want to be actually genuinely helpful to each other and we want to be able to be helped when we are suffering. So the first point in your notes there is that suffering is everywhere. Hardships are everywhere, right? So even a large majority of our small talk will include suffering. It just never goes anywhere, right? So lots of times, oh, how's it going? Oh, I'm I'm having a really tough week. Oh, that's too bad. I'll pray for you later. And then you never, ever pray for them and you walk away. And um, so, yeah, suffering is is everywhere and it makes it into our small talk, but it doesn't go anywhere. And we want to know how to make that go somewhere so that we can be helped, so that we can help others. And so lots of times the reason it doesn't go anywhere is because we just don't know what to say to people who suffer. Um, We don't feel like we're equipped. We don't feel like we have the wisdom. Like I'm sure many of us have had a handful of times at least where somebody has kind of just poured out to us some really difficult situation, a really difficult week. And we were just kind of like, paralyzed and we had no idea what to say or do and so we were just quiet and it's good to be silent sometimes and just listen but you don't want to be so silent that it's as if you weren't there and so we want to ask what does God say to the sufferer what does Jesus say to the sufferer and we want to speak those words to each other right the whole point of this is um man I wish everybody here raise your hand if you've read life together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer yeah all all NBC people. Awesome. <laughs> but 
but that's it's it's a really good book and one of the big points that Bonhoeffer has in that book is that the church almost has nothing to say to each other except the words of Christ right um Christ has spoken to us in uh, the Gospels, in the Psalter, in the Psalms. Christ has spoken to us in many ways in Scripture. And one huge point of the church is to hear the words of Christ through each other, is to hear the, the comfort and the consolation of Christ through each other. And that's exactly what we want to do when we're suffering. So how do we do that? Well, first question, what does God say to the sufferer? What does God say to people suffering? And most of us know what God says about suffering, like even generally, um, you know, everybody knows passages on anxiety or, or difficult times or uh, God guiding us through deep waters from Isaiah, things like that. So they're not difficult to know generally, but they're quite often difficult to apply. So a lot of suffering is explicitly addressed by scripture. You know, think of how much, um, think of how much depression and anxiety alone make up you know, the percentage of suffering. Like it's probably at least a third of it. It's quite a bit of suffering. So a lot of suffering is explicitly talked about from scripture, passages that speak to anxiety, depression, fears, physical suffering, whatever. But a lot of suffering is just not talked about by scripture explicitly. I mean, there's something in there for the people of God, but I mean, you think about all of the the growing number of psychiatric um, diagnoses today, right? Like there's no verse about bipolar in the scriptures. What do you say to somebody who's struggling with that and comes to you and wants help or just to talk to somebody, right? Um, So we want to be able to wisely apply the scriptures, but they are difficult to apply. So What do we do with suffering that the scripture doesn't explicitly talk about? Well, people open up to us and sometimes we're not ready for it and our our reservoir verses didn't seem sufficient for that. And so here's some knee-jerk reactions that we have. We'll start here with with what we tend to do and we'll kind of start going away from that. I think it's important to talk about what most people are doing right now so we have somewhere to go to, but also somewhere to kind of start walking away from. So here's some knee-jerk reactions that people tend to have when, when they're met with somebody suffering and they don't know what to say. The first one is, this is the pastor's job. Like, I don't know what to say to this person. Well, that's not true. That's not the, I mean, it might get to a certain point where it's the pastor's job and you do need to defer somebody. That happens sometimes and, and there's wisdom in that. But most of the time, it's probably not the pastor's job, right? The, the elders are, are here to equip you for ministry and helping one another in suffering, bearing one another's burdens. Like, isn't that one of the greatest ministries of Christ worked out through us? So I just want to totally dismantle that idea that this is the pastor's job. We need to, to defer everything to the pastor. Now, there is wisdom if you're seriously under-equipped for, for what you've been met with to defer it to somebody else. But don't defer because of uncomfortability. Defer because of incompetence. That's okay. If you seriously can't, that's okay. But if it's just that you wouldn't like to, try and be of help to that person. The second knee-jerk reaction is, like, I I wish I never heard this information. Like, I'm almost responsible to do something with it right now. So you think of situational suffering. um, Maybe a spouse is being, like, seriously abused by their spouse, right? And you're just thinking, well, now I'm, now I'm accountable to do something about this. I wish I never heard this. Well, praise God, somebody heard it, right? And again, that might be a situation you need to defer, but you don't want to so shy away from suffering that nobody hears about serious suffering that is 
always running in the undercurrent of the church, right? But never gets brought up. We want this to be a place where that can get brought up and where people don't just go, la, 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 like I, I'm not responsible for that. You are responsible for that. You know, um, when I first came to NBC, one of the things I was super impressed by was in one of the student handbooks somewhere. It said, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Your brother's problems are your problems. You are responsible for that. Um, and similar to the one above that, another knee-jerk reaction we have is like, oh, this isn't, what I, this isn't what I signed up for when I came to church or when I became a member of a body or something like that. And to just totally do away with that idea, this is exactly what you signed up for. This is what you signed up for. You were the church. You know, we're commanded to bear one another's burdens. And if we don't want to hear about them or we're resilient to hear about them um, or we don't want to do anything once we hear about them, how are, you, how are you bearing your brother's burdens if you're ignorant to your brother's or your sister's burdens? So it's not just your pastor's job, it's your job. Um, you might wish you never heard that information. Well, praise God somebody did because now the, the suffering can be helped and dealt with and you don't think it's what you signed up for. It's exactly what you signed up for. Even if you didn't know it, you kind of sometimes become a Christian and then read the Bible and figure out what you signed up for. But you know, remember, remember back to our Ephesians passage the love and the grace of Christ is supposed to be worked out with all the saints. That's us. So suffering should be suffered in community, right? It should be worked out in community. Um, and, and we make people's suffering our problem ultimately because Jesus made our suffering his problem, right? We want to emulate Christ and our help to one another. So we make each other's suffering our problem because Jesus made our suffering his problem. So those are some reactions and some rebuttals against them um, of how we might be uncomfortable when people come to us with suffering. Conversely, though, likewise, I'm also sure that many of us are very hesitant to go to others with our suffering. It's not just that we don't want to hear it when people come to us with their suffering. Lots of times we are resilient to go to others with our suffering, and there's a handful of reasons for that. Um, I've experienced all of the reasons I've written down, so I'm only writing things that I've, I've experienced, but sometimes we feel that scripture doesn't address our difficulties and like we are the one-offs, like there is not even an implication from scripture that speaks to my situation. My situation's special for some reason, so what is someone else going to say to me that'll actually help? Um, another thing we might think is, well, I sinned my way into my situation, so I kind of deserve my suffering. Like we kind of categorize suffering into two camps, so there's like, and there's some truth to this, but we don't want to do the wrong thing with it. So the first camp is virtuous suffering. Like this person didn't do anything wrong. God just sent this suffering to them um, just to grow them. And it's just actually a test of their virtue and a sign of their virtue. And that's true. Like suffering is not a merit for doing something wrong. God, God sends suffering to grow us. And then lots of times we put ourselves in this camp. It's like, well, this suffering is kind of my fault. Like I got myself into this one and yeah, I'm suffering. And yeah, I wish I could reach out, but I feel like this isn't very virtuous suffering, you know, like there's all those holy sufferers over there and then there's me right here and I got myself into this so I can't talk to anybody about this because, I mean, it's my fault. What, what are they going to say to encourage me? They should rebuke me, right? There's a little bit of truth to those distinctions. Sometimes there's just proverb suffering where you do something dumb and you're suffering now, right? That's just the way that, that God made the world, um, input-output, bad decision, bad outcome. But even so, God has something to say to that sufferer who got themselves into that situation. We're going to look at that later. Um, so these are some reasons we don't go to others when we're suffering. And the best remedy for either of these, the best remedy to be more equipped 
for people to talk to us and for us to talk to others about our suffering is seriously just to talk about suffering more. Like, that seems obvious. That doesn't seem super profound or wise. You're probably noticing by now that a lot of the ideas from this book being taught, they're not really hard concepts to grasp. Like, I'm sure there hasn't been a ton of, like, light bulb moments of things you never realized before, but these things are, like, pretty difficult to apply. So they're not hard to grasp, these ideas, but they're difficult to apply. So... The best remedy is just to talk about suffering more. And so there's some wise ways to talk about suffering more. And so if you remember the pattern that the book kicked off for us, he started with, um, oh, I can't even remember the, does anybody remember the first chapter title? That'd be impressive if you did. I don't. It doesn't matter. The first, uh, the first chapter was about um, being willing to have others pray for you. With all humility, that's what it was. Um, being needy helpers, right? So it starts with us setting the precedent that we're actually needy too. Um, and so we want to do the same thing with suffering. So we're going to start with, with how we approach others when we're suffering. So we can set the precedent for others to feel free to do that when they're suffering. So when we suffer... The best thing to do, if you don't think that anything in scripture can speak to your situation or you've got no idea how to suffer well, is to just go to wise people and ask them for help. And the reason you do this, again, seems obvious, but it's difficult. Like we talked about, many issues are really nuanced. There's not a verse for them. Many issues are really complex and there's no passage for them. But people with wisdom and years behind them, they've suffered in diverse ways And they've had to take the simple verses and with wisdom from the Holy Spirit, they've had to apply those verses in a nuanced way. And and so those people can be of help to you. Um, Like I talked about in the first class, asking people for prayer who you usually wouldn't. And I still think that's a good idea. But with when you're really opening up with some real suffering, that's not the time to just ask anybody because you think it's humble to just ask the weakest saint. That's a time to go to somebody who's actually wise because you can ask the weakest saint to pray for you generally and, and you probably still should um, if they ask and you want to be honest that morning and you should. But when you're really opening up about suffering, you really need to go to a wise saint who has many years behind them because remember people, we don't have anything to say to each other except which Jesus has spoken to us. And we want someone who can speak Jesus's words to us well. And if Jesus's words aren't as nuanced as our situations, we at least need somebody who's, who's applied them in a, in a complex way, who's had to lean on those verses in their life, who's had to lean on the words of Christ through a similar kind of suffering as yours. And so as we, we go to them with our um, you know, messy situations, We thank God for the church, that he's given us the church for this to work itself out, and he's given us uh, elders and and people full of wisdom in the church. And as they kind of help us, they're teaching us. You know, they're they're not just helping us. We're learning something from the way that they help us. And eventually, progressively, we become the next wise people who have suffered in diverse ways, and we're more equipped to help others. Now, we've seen, you know, a nuanced application of simple scriptures. And so this starts with being needy and reaching out when we're suffering, um, but it's reciprocal. It's like, which one starts first? Because some, some people in this room probably aren't going to reach out very well until they see others doing it, and some of you are maybe going to start reaching out right away because you're, just, you're built like that. Um, so it, I'm not saying everybody here needs to start. It's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg, but the point is that this is reciprocal. 
Um, and so as we learn to apply the scripture in a diverse way, when you're helping others with suffering, just keep listening, um, keep speaking the words of Christ to that people. And as we're doing this, as we're talking to people about suffering, there's two things we're going to realize. One, all suffering is unique. Like no two situations are going to be the exact same. If you've helped somebody really successfully with their really difficult week and you've just, you know, hit the nail on the head of what they needed to hear, how they needed to be helped, that's not a one size fits all approach. Even if it's a very similar situation with somebody else over here. People are really unique, situations are really unique, suffering's always unique. And so nobody suffers in an identical way. And yet, the second thing you'll realize is that all hardships still have enough in common for Scripture to be helpful to us. So there is an undertone in in all suffering, and that's pain, you know. Suffering is painful. And all suffering, like at least for the Christian, leaves us at the end of ourselves looking up, you know. Like, I don't know what to do. And you're just desperate and you're looking up to the Lord. This is, this is kind of why um, one psalm can speak to so many different troubles. Uh, f- flip to Psalm 130. So again, we want to respect the fact that all suffering is really unique and we need to treat each situation with care, but we also want to understand that no suffering is so complex that scripture is just totally at a loss. So slip, uh, flip to Psalm 130. And we're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read verse 1 and 2. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. I think the ESV says cries for mercy, something like that. Yeah. Let your, so, so God, you know, like, hear my voice, have mercy on me, God. Like, hear my cries for mercy. What suffering what suffering person couldn't identify with that on some level? Like, is there any form of suffering where you couldn't cry that out and mean it, right? So I think sometimes the reason that suffering passages in the scripture are a little bit ambiguous is so that they're universally applicable. It's so that any sufferer can cry out the words of, of the psalmist here and therefore cry out the words of Christ to Christ and say, God, hear my cry for mercy, hear my prayer, right? Right? And in that, it's not totally ambiguous because we talked earlier before about the group of people who are suffering and feel like it's their fault, so feel like they don't deserve to talk to God or reach out for help. Well, what about verses three and four? If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So in the same psalm where David's crying out in his suffering, Lord, help me, like something any sufferer could cry, no matter how complex the situation. Even the people who feel like they don't deserve any help or they can't get any help from from God's people or from the word of God when they're suffering, well, God put in there immediately after, if, if God marked iniquities, who could stand? Nobody could stand. Even the holy sufferers, they couldn't stand. Nobody could stand if God marked sin. And so cry out to him in your suffering. You know, even if you feel like your situation is not applicable or, or not able to be helped, And then this leads to verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. So in David's suffering, he cries something out that any sufferer could cry out. He says something that just disqualifies, just totally gets rid of the idea that you can't be helped because you messed up and got your way into this suffering. But then where does he look immediately? Verse 5, in the word of the Lord I hope. Right? So if you're suffering... You, whether you realize it or not, no matter how complex it is, 
your situation's not sticky enough or weird enough, you need to set your hope on the hope, your hope on the word of the Lord. You need the word of the Lord spoken to you so you have something to hope in. We're going to talk about how to do that wisely or else we just become quite unhelpful to sufferers. And if you're talking to somebody who is suffering, ultimately you don't have anything to say to them that's wise enough to help them in your suffering. Ultimately you want to get to the point where you're speaking the words of Christ to them. You need to give them something of the word of the Lord to hope in because that's exactly where David went with his suffering in the word of the Lord. Um, Oh, sorry. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. So maybe eventually you work your way to some key verses that people can hang on to in their suffering, like Revelation 21.4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death. There will no longer be mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Or maybe Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, that being said, do you guys think it would be helpful if somebody opened up to you about some serious suffering and the first thing that you said is, oh, well, you're not hoping in this verse. Here's this verse. Like, seriously, what, what do you guys think? Do you think that that would be helpful? No. Yeah, thanks, Tyson. It would not be helpful, right? I think all of us have been helped badly when we're suffering. So people really do often have good intentions. But if the... Oh, this almost feels wrong to say. If the first thing they do is just whip out a scripture, which with some minor forms of suffering is... And if the person's asking for it, that can be the right thing to say. And we do want to go to scripture eventually. But if the first thing you do is just say, well, you're not trusting in this verse. Here's a verse to trust in. That's not really wise, and that's not really appreciating the humanity of the person or the weight of the situation. And so some, some tips to do this well. We do want to speak the words of Christ to people, and we want to get there. But you don't just dive straight into the text without showing personal care, right? Because then you just become a Bible verse dispensing machine, and that person might get the impression, you just say the exact same thing to any sufferer, and I don't even know if you care. I think you're just saying this because you know it's what you're supposed to say. Remember from a couple chapters ago, we want to relay when we're being personal, when, when we're approaching people, um, we want to relay that we care, right? That their suffering is affecting us, right? Uh, mourn with those who mourn. You want to show that if they're mourning, that's causing you to mourn. I, I think Paul says somewhere, um, if one of the members is... Um, Oh, I can't remember. But the, the point of what Paul says somewhere is if one of the members is suffering, they all suffer. So you want to show that to people. And you're not going to show that to somebody if you're just a Bible verse machine and your face is all stoic and you're not moved by their suffering. So you want to show personal care. You want to show that their suffering is affecting you. And that might look like just listening for a while, but listening with very few words. So, oh man, like, can you tell me more about that? Or, oh my goodness, like, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, just show them that. And what you don't want to do while you're trying to sympathize, sympathize with the person is talk about 
another time that you suffered in a similar way. I know that that's everybody's default. It's so easy for us to want to do it. Like every time somebody comes to me with an awful story, the first thing in my mind is like, like I'll give you an example. Every time somebody breaks a bone, my flesh wants to talk about all of the times I've broken bones and broken them badly because we kind of want to talk about ourselves. We want to kind of, and maybe even if that comes from a good intention to sympathize with the person, it's not helpful. Um, I think all of us know what it's like to pour out to somebody and they're like, yeah, that's like that time that this happened to me. And it almost seems like it's a competition of who's suffering more. And then when you tried to get some help, it just turns out the conversation ends up about them now. And maybe they had good intentions, but so that's not helpful. There are some rare occasions where... I think the best time to talk about your situation is maybe if you're talking to somebody who's not a holy sufferer, who feels like they got themselves into that mess and now they can't get out because they deserve it. Maybe that is the exception to talk about your own suffering and you want to wait to do that. And the point of talking about your own suffering there would not be to make your suffering more special or the point of the conversation above theirs. Maybe the point of talking about your suffering there is to say, you know what, like, a while ago I sinned the same way I got myself into the same mess so the level of of empathizing with that person or relating to that person through your experience isn't saying to them oh yeah I had a bad situation too it's saying to them you and I are just like each other and you can get out of this mess you know the scripture does have something to say to you right the word of God is sufficient proved sufficient in my life and you want to immediately as soon as you say it and as soon as you've made your point stop talking about you now don't continue with that. So you want to show you care. You don't want to just be a Bible verse dispensing machine. And then you don't want to talk about your suffering too much unless it's just, you know, like I said, guys, this, these situations are complex and there might be a time where it's circumstantially appropriate and it's sort of just obvious. But if it's not obvious, focus on the person, show, show care to them. Um, yeah. So, oh, wow. We're going to have awesome group time today. I worked through this faster than I thought I would. So our big takeaways today, it is our job to be there for each other when we're suffering. You did sign up for that. The best way to do this is to, is to be open about our own suffering, get wisdom, and reciprocate that wisdom. Because things are complex, and sometimes the word isn't as complex as our situations. But like we've seen, that does not mean the word is insufficient. It just means it needs to be applied with wisdom. Remember, all sufferers can say what David said here. Um, and, and so in doing so, we, we build a community of wise sufferers who, who give each other wisdom on suffering. And in this community, the word of God is applied with wisdom to our suffering. And so no matter how people got there or what the situation is, um, sufferers need promises. Sufferers need promises ahead of them. So we want to be sufferers who know that we need that and, and try and find people who will give that to us. And we want to be um, fellow sufferers and helpers who know how to wisely give promises to people who are suffering without making it about ourselves and without being stoic and unmoved by their suffering. So Jesus wants to speak his promises to us and he wants to speak his promises to us through each other. And, and some of the best times to speak those promises are when we're suffering. And so do this with practical wisdom. So now we're going to move into our discussion and response time. If you didn't get a sheet, um, well, does anybody not have a sheet? If you didn't get one, okay, they were on a table by the door there, a round table. Um, there's, okay, they've got them there, perfect. 
thank you for that. I'm just going to read these for anybody who might be listening online, and then we're going to do just like we've been doing. Anybody who's uh, greeting doors just at quarter two, just or at quarter after, sorry, just walk away. That's not rude. I'll do the same. So the question's here. Have you ever gone to somebody in need while suffering? How did that go? Or have you ever gone to somebody needy while suffering? How did that go? Did they make application of the word? Second question, what are some reasons that you may be uncomfortable when people open up to you about suffering? What are some practical steps that you can take to be a helpful fellow sufferer to those in distress? So I'll pray for our small group time and then we will do that. Um, Father, thank you for your word and thank you, God, that while our situations are complex and while ultimately we wouldn't have suffering if it was not for the fall and the curse um, and us being sons of Adam, we thank you that no matter what the situation, your word has something to say to the sufferer, to any sufferer, God, and that you want us to hear that through your church. So thank you for the church. Thank you for wise people in the church who have suffered. Thank you for the gift of suffering to push us towards Christ. And I pray that this church, God, would just receive the gift of suffering and put it to work well. Um, and, and in response, just flee to you, Jesus, and, and just use it as a tool to, to help others flee to you. We want to point others to you, Jesus, who is the great sufferer, who, who came down and suffered for us and suffered with us. Um, Jesus, you want to see us made well. And because of the blood of your cross, one day we will all be made well and permanently free from suffering. Until then, can we hear your words softly spoken to one another and from one another? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.